But thank you guys for being here and, and uh, uh, the, the new people here. They gather like this once a week. And, 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 and uh, I'm trying to make this as good as possible. Uh, <laughs> now it's a, it's a good it's a good group it's a good group that can, can, we appreciate you being here it's time of fellowship the time we just kind of share God's word a little bit so what I wanted to, to talk to you about today is uh, I've been doing a study in the book of Colossians and uh, as I study I like to go look and and uh, get some commentaries and read those and and I like to look at even sermons that some people do and and sometimes I even mean, I mean venture off a, a Baptist sermon. I might look at the Church of Christ. Don't tell anybody that, you know, stuff. But, but I, look at, <laughs> I look at some of those just to see what people have to say about the passage that I'm teaching on. And so, so I try to do that. So recently, as I was looking, I was, I was doing a study in uh, Colossians 1. And I was doing the study through that. I, uh, I come across a, 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 a sermon and it, called, it talks about rejoicing in the gospel. And as I, I, I read that, it, he's talking about rejoicing in the gospel. I thought, rejoicing in the gospel? What, what does he mean? And what, what the others read this says, are we still rejoicing in the gospel? Do we rejoice in the fact that we have received it? Do we rejoice in the fact that others are receiving it? And I got to thinking about that. And I said, rejoicing in the gospel. Wow, have I really rejoiced in the gospel? Paul starts off his letter with his thanksgiving. I'll just read this to you, uh, to God, over the fact that Colossians had received the gospel that changed life. Then he declares the glory of the gospel. Let's see what it says. It says, the faith and love that sprung up from the hope that is stored up, this is in Colossians 1, 5 through 6, stored up for you in heaven, and that you have already heard about the word of, word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it as has been doing among you since the day you've heard it, understood God's grace and all its truth. So I'm, so I'm thinking, rejoicing in the gospel, wow, that we rejoice that someone else has received the gospel. And then it occurred to me, has everyone heard the gospel? You know, around here we share from the stage that... We share the gospel. Let me give you a pamphlet that shows you how to share the gospel. Let me show you a place on the internet that shows you how to share the gospel. Then I got to thinking, has everybody heard the gospel? I don't know that. I don't know. I know everybody's sitting out here, everybody in our church has heard the gospel. So I'm thinking, let's do that today. Let's share the gospel. So Shane's going to come and share the gospel. Now, I've asked him to share the gospel like we're lost. We don't know. So Shane, let's share the gospel. quite a few people out here that's been to Baltimore and you do share the gospel anybody word gospel what does it mean good news what good news of what Christ salvation the very word when you say gospel means the good news and I tell this to uh, my grandbabies I tell this to the children what is the gospel I said well that's the good news well what good news is there because there is really only one good news about the world that we live in and we can say, well, the stocks are up. Is that really good news? Well, 
this is down or that's going better or the Cowboys are winning or, but is that really good? Or is it just something that makes us feel better for a temporary time? Mark was up there whenever we went to Baltimore and they spoke to him quite a bit and the people that we knocked on doors, some, some have heard about Jesus, some have not. And it was a um, strange situation to be just knocking on doors because Pastor Jeff is one of them that's over one of the churches there that we help support and plant. And his approach to it is that we should tell everybody the gospel when we first meet them. When we first meet them. He said the idea behind, well, I need to build a relationship or, well, I need to work into it. He said if you meet a stranger in line and you say, hey, how are you doing today? Uh, what brings you here? Well, I'm just standing in line waiting on my registration for the car. Hey. So how long have you lived here? Uh, for your sister, a little bit. And then you lead them right into the gospel. You say, well, where do you go to church? Or have you thought about uh, picking or choosing a church, uh, depending on their answer? Then you take them immediately into what he calls the big story. And this is for all of you who are kind of leery or weary about sharing the gospel. There are different ways of evangelical styles. You can, you can look them up and just Google it. The one that Pastor Jeff follows is, is created or was created by a gentleman named James Chung. And in 2011, he came up with the big story. And it's the true story. He actually wrote a book because he was trying to find a way to reach young teenagers or young adults and share with them the gospel in a manner in which they were excited and they wanted to hear it. I mean, the standard gospel is what? We're sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. So... Where, where are you going to be one day? Have you thought about when you die what's going to happen? And this is one of the approaches of sharing evangelism is the confrontational or the direct. Well, what's going to happen when you die? Have you really thought about that? Well, if not, do you know about God, the creator of the universe and the heavens? And originally, he created the word, this earth and this world to be in a perfect place, but Something's kind of got wrong. Does anybody read or watch the news or read the news or see what's going on? Have you ever thought about what's going on or what caused that issue? Well, the problem is, is that we had a little thing called rebellion. And while God wanted everything to be perfect and life to be great and everyone to live in unity, the problem is that man, mankind is selfish. Humans wanted things to be our way. Therefore, we rejected what God had to offer, and we chose to go about living things the way we want to live them. That's the second part of the story of the gospel. We had the creation, and then we had the what? The fall, or the rebellion. Jeff says it's creation, rebellion, redemption, restoration. And this is the core value of what we believe in as Christians. And we need to learn these things so that we can share them with the people who need to hear the gospel the most. And those are the people who are out there wandering around trying to find life and trying to find happiness and trying to find good in the things of the world. But the problem is there's only one gospel, good thing, and that's Jesus Christ who died for us on the cross. That comes after the separation or the fall or the rebellion, that's where we have restoration. So how is it possible to get back to that good and perfect world where God intended us for us to be? It is impossible. There's not a single good thing that I can do on this earth to get back to where God intended for me to be, but 
He loves me personally so much. And you, and you, and you. He loves every person on this earth so much that he came himself as his son to live and give an example and ultimately die for all of those bad things that we cannot make up for. For the evils in life, for the sins that we've had, for the little things that I may or may not have done or known or not have known. Those are the only way, Jesus is the only way that I can make amends to be able to get back to that perfect life and that perfect relationship with God the Father, who was the creator and made the world perfect. So he sent his son who came and died on the cross for our sins. This was the redemption. And by accepting him and believing that he not only died on that cross, the very cross that I wear and was given in Baltimore as a symbol to start a conversation just like this, but he rose again to live eternally. He overcame death in a manner in which we cannot. Because I believe in that and I profess with my mouth, though, that Jesus did die on the cross, and I believe it 100% of the time, which leads me to the restoration part. To the part to where I am is now, where I'm supposed to be on mission. And that's why I'm here telling you today about the good news of Jesus Christ. Because part of what we believe as Christians is that not only was it a perfect world, who because of us being imperfect and selfish became a fallen world, the only way to get back to the perfect world is going through his son Jesus Christ who died on the cross. And then that brings us to the part that's really most important today for all Christians who are living is to go and tell that story. We are challenged by our very father, Jesus, who died on the cross, to go and tell about this gospel, which is the only good news that we have to live for. The way that Pastor Jeff put it, it says, if you knew somebody had a terminal disease, let's say any one of them, brain cancer, tumors, you name it, whatever the case of it is, chronic illness, chronic pain, but you knew without question how to heal that person, would you not tell them the physician's name? And then how can we go about our lives knowingly having knowledge of that very, very salvation that we have and not tell everybody that we come across? And that really settled with me as I was knocking on the doors. Pastor Jeff said it should take you three to five minutes to share the gospel. Some people say, well, I need to get to know them better because I feel uncomfortable. I really don't want to tell them what's going on in their life. Well, then the question he would ask is say, okay, stranger, how are you doing today? Well, I'm not doing very well. Well, what's wrong? Well, you know what? I just have this pain, this particular pain that's never, never gone away. I've had it for five years. I've had it for six years. I've had it for one year. And I just don't know what to do about it. And if you knew a particular doctor who could save that person, which we do know is living in pain and anguish, anger and frustration, just like everyone in the world is today, would you not tell them? Or would you wait and get a relationship with the person? Do you recommend plumbers? Do you recommend plumbers for issues that problem? All of these things. When you know a fix, you're going to tell them, even if they're a stranger. And Jeff goes one step further. This is Pastor Jeff. He says, let me tell you something. God doesn't need your relationship with anyone for the gospel to work. The gospel can stand on its own. Jesus doesn't need me to know Mark's family, Mark's name, Mark's children, where Mark lives. Jesus doesn't need me to know 
how long Mark is going to be around or what his job is. Jesus just needs me to tell him about the gospel, plant the seed, whether it's the first time, the fifth time, the 20th time, and the gospel is able to stand on its own without question. He doesn't need our relationships. And I can tell you, I came back from that Baltimore trip with more sad stories than I did glad stories. And to me, it was a shout out and a warning. Mark saw one of them. I don't know if he saw the other church that I saw, but one of the churches that we go and we witness in is an old church. And I can show a sign. I was hoping to show a sign that it says it was the Second Baptist Church from 1796 to 1903. And then there's a sign out front of it, which I showed these gentlemen right here, that has a sign that you used to see out in front of the churches where they had the announcements and they pushed those little buttons in there. And it said the Second and Fourth Baptist Church. I want you to think about that. How does it happen that you get a second and fourth Baptist church? And this is where Captivate East holds their services now, which they don't have services anymore because the pastor's not there. And before Captivate East came in there, it was empty for two or three years, and no one was there. The neighborhood that the Captivate or the second and fourth Baptist church used to be in is a neighborhood where I think Mark will attest, you don't want to run two miles in the dark going out the door and to the left. You don't want to do it. It's a bad neighborhood. And there is a lady roughing it up down there. She is an amazing lady sharing the gospel with the children that are coming in the door regardless of who they are, how much money they make, whether she knows them or not. She's not waiting to find out how old they are, how long they've lived there, or what their aunt's name is. When they walk in, she says, let me tell you something. I got some gospel for you. The other church we were helping was Pastor Jeff. Now, Pastor Jeff has managed to grow to the point beyond where he's about 100 right now. So he needed a little bit larger building. Do you know whose building he's using? The First Baptist Church of Dundalk. Dundalk is an area in the middle of Baltimore that's not the same area as the Captivate East. This is a better area, one that's more... I like to say middle income, more affluent. They're not, you know, they're at the high level, but then again, they're not down there where Captivate East is, which is the second and the fourth Baptist church was. They're in the better area. But I happened to be, whenever I was setting up the sign, and that day after we got through, what happened on Sunday, uh, yeah, that first Sunday night we were there, we took a sign, and it's one of those signs that's just roll out, you know, vinyl, and we took a, two of those T-posts, and I went out there with one of the gentlemen from Captivate East, and we put those T-posts out there. And then we strung that vinyl sign in front of that First Baptist sign. And when I stood back and looked at the wonderful job we did, I thought how sad it was to see the top part of that First Baptist, and then you couldn't read the rest of it. Why is that? Why did I have to put a sign in front of First Baptist, whatever that is? Is it because they weren't sharing the gospel? Is it because they sit in here and talk about Jesus all the time and not tell anybody outside the walls? Why is that? Why are there two Baptist churches that, in the, in the First Baptist Dundalk, is a building about this size? It's not a small place. It's filled with strong, gospel-believing Christians just like me and just like you. And those Baptist churches have been there a lot longer than we have. And they're shutting the doors. I so happened to walk in and find one of the ladies as we were moving some of the equipment back and forth from this church is called uh, the Church on the Harbor, and, or the Church of the Harbor. I'm not sure. which Is it Church of the Harbor? 
Church of the Harbor. And as we were moving their equipment back, storing it away, I happened to run into a lady. Her name was Regina. She was about 70 years old. And I said, oh, how are you? It's good to meet you. Uh, I haven't noticed. I didn't see you, you know, with the Church of the Harbor. She said, oh, no, I'm First Baptist Dundalk. I said, oh, this is very kind of you to allow them to use their church. She says, we, we have to. I'm glad that they're coming in here. They're bringing life. They're bringing hope back into the church. Somewhere along the way, she tells me, we've missed the mark on how to reach people in this area. In this big church we have, she says, we're down to about 25 people attending on a regular, a regular Sunday. 25 people. She said, we used to be a very large, affluent church when we started. And I said, well, that's, that's just crazy. Well, what happened? She said, I don't know. I can't tell you what happened, but I'm very glad that Captive Ace East, or not Captive Ace East, the Church of the Harbor is coming in here and bringing life back into this church. So it's a warning. When they, people ask me, they ask me at work, I'm wearing this, go, oh, you, you're on mission trip. What, what did you come back with? Are you excited now? I said, absolutely. I'm excited and I'm fearful. Because I saw two Baptist churches, one of them been out of business, and they're just coming in in an old, stale building that's no longer there. And another one that's down to about 25 and have forgotten somehow how to reach the people in their community. And it's a stern warning, I think, to the Cottonwood Creeks of Texas to say, be careful. Share the gospel. If you feel bothered by it, practice. Literally, get up in front of some people. Do some role-playing. It sounds silly. Ron's been a part of the REACH program. Saturday mornings, it used to be Sunday. I wish it was still Sunday, but it's Saturday morning. Saturday mornings is a great time to get out and visit the community. It's just bad for me, so that's my selfishness. But come out Saturday mornings, and they'll do role-playing, and they'll show you how to talk to somebody. And they'll even go through with it. They'll say, hey, hi, how are you? I'm good. Well, what's your name? Well, my name is Ron, and my name is Shane. Hey, well, how long have you lived here? They give us opportunities to be able to have a conversation with people and able to share the gospel. Why do we want to share the gospel? What, grow membership? Anybody? Because I'm looking for a commission check when I get to heaven. Exactly. <laughs> At least one crown. Right, Mark? I'm At least one for a commission check. I mean, isn't it ironic that, you know, we work on commission? Sales guys work on commission? I mean, isn't it ironic that it's called the Great Commission? I've refocused my life for a better commission check now. Bring people with you. Follow me, follow Jesus, Paul says. Follow me, follow Jesus. If you have an opportunity to share the gospel, talk about Jesus. You don't have to get to know them. Gospel first, as Jeff says. I believe this is a very good approach. And you can use the big story. Go out and Google it. Big story. And the big story will come back and tell you how to share it. In fact, they have videos on there. He uses a drawing application. We couldn't draw because we were standing on everybody's stoops. When we were walking up, the, the normal uh, action would go. We walked up, and we had a flyer. And he said, you stick that flyer out because it was a free meal. So we were holding it out, and we would say, you know, hey, uh, would you like to come to a community cookout? And, you know, some of them were, no, go away, literally. And it's free food. And, uh, they'll crack the door a little bit, and, you know, once they crack the door and you show them, you say, well, we're coming together to bring the community, hopefully to keep this community unlike other communities. How long have you lived here? Well, you know, two years to 30. I mean, you can just get anything. Oh, really? Well, have you ever had a community cookout like this? No, I haven't. Well, 
You know, do you go to a local church? These are the steps that you can take to get it to the gospel. And you can do this over and over and over with anybody in your life along your walks in life. And it's a good way to get the gospel message out there if it may be the first time for them or it may be the fifth time. We had a young lady who was just on fire for sharing the gospel. Her name is Haley. She ended up having two professions of faith as she was on her walkabouts. I got to share the gospel quite a few times, but I had no professions of faith. But that's okay, and don't be discouraged because Jesus wasn't. Jesus shared the gospel all the way to the cross. And if you want to hear about rejection, read what happened to Jesus. I'm almost certain that nobody's going to crucify you in the line or at work or at anywhere. And I've said in here before, you know, I can't talk about it at work. Well, I say give HR at least or give Jesus at least one visit to HR and see how that goes. Just one. If they warn you and say, don't talk about Jesus again, say, that's fine. I, I won't. But has anybody been called in yet? Have you challenged it yet? Have you challenged it? I take my Bible. I set it on my desk every day. Anybody wants to talk about it. Now, I live, and I'm going to admittedly say, in Collin County Community College, I have the freedom to talk about law. I don't work at places like the State Farm or the Toyotas of the world or other places of the world. But if we allow them to suppress the gospel in our lives, then whose fault is it? without even challenging it. Give Jesus one trip to HR or one email, just one, and then you can back off. They're not going to fire you over that because it's too politically incorrect. (laughs) They're not going to crucify you over sharing the gospel one time. But try it and see. Use it conversational. Google it. Google ways to evangelize. You'll find any number of them. Uh, Like I said, there's six main ways, but this one is called the big story. The big story tells us about the gospel of Jesus Christ in a manner in which a lot of people said, hey, I really never heard it presented that way, or I've never heard the story of God that way or Jesus that way. Listen to it. Practice it. Practice it on a loved one. Practice it on a friend. Practice it on me. Practice it with me. I can always get better at talking to people in hopes of being able to share the gospel with them that might, in fact, save their what? Eternal life. Save them for how long? Forever. I asked my class on 830, how many people are going to live forever? Has anybody ever thought about that? How many people are going to live forever? Anybody? Everybody's going to live forever. The question is, where are they going to live? And what have you done to help them live with you? So I'm sure I said a whole lot more than what Mr. Bennett was asking me to sum and share. And I'm sure he has more to say. Rejoice in the gospel. For we are the living life, feet, legs, and hands of Jesus Christ. And he is dependent on us going out there and telling his story. What good news in there? There's only one good news. And that's the good news of Christ who died on the cross, rose again, and lives eternally for you, for you, for you, for you, for me, and them. And them. Exactly. When you get there, all you want to do is have one more crown than Mark. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) See? There's the challenge. Follow me, follow Jesus. But in all earnesty, I challenge you to go out and look at it. 
look at the big story. Take the opportunities to get involved. Right now we have uh, a couple of them, especially with uh, the, the fun with the sun coming up. We, we have abilities to go out and canvas. Every Saturday morning we have abilities to go evangelize on the doorsteps. That comes with training, by the way. They have training generally uh, every uh, B116, I think, is it in? <coughs> and they have training before you go out. And, and if you feel some reservations about it, generally you'll go out with somebody who's been out before. And the idea is to be able to go out and just talk to people about Jesus. And you have a reason. Yes, sir. I was going to say it on the Saturday morning reach thing. I think it's our nature to say, I, I, I just don't want to go out there and knock on a stranger's door. It's scary. Yeah. But I'll tell you, when you do it, and you go out the first time, you go to somebody else who will carry the, carry the load, and you don't have to say a word. You do it, and you come back invigorated. Whether one person or Amen. It's, it's really invigorating. Give it a shot. Yes, Bob. We used to do that on uh, stand calls and Dan Waterworth. We used to do that on in Genesis. We used to do that on Wednesday evening. We went to the departments and we <coughs> walked the highways and knocked on the door. And it's simple. It's just, hi, I'm Bob. I'm not with the street Baptist church. And the life of God keeps coming to church. And usually the material we handed out was uh, the last week's. You know, you said used to. Well, I went to work. No. Oh. That, that, was, that was back when I originally retired. Here's an even better one for you. Jehovah's Witness come to your door, and you don't even answer. Yeah. God brings them right to your door, and you don't even answer, because you're not prepared to give a defense for the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. And Or the Mormons come. And you don't know to open the door. I, I had a woman, when, okay, the class comes in after our class, sitting in the back of the class, you know, they were coming in as we were leaving, and, and I was gathering up my stuff, and somebody was talking about whatever, we were talking about how, you know, be prepared, always be prepared, right, blah, blah. And she was sitting back there just listening to me tell somebody else about, you know, when the Mormons come to your door, you better open the door. And she's sitting there going, no way, no way, I'm not doing it. What does that make you? What kind of person does that make you in Christ if you're too afraid to even answer your own door when a lost soul comes? And they'll visit with you. And he's, I'll go one step further with Mark. I mean, I, I had a 45-minute conversation with a couple of people uh, from Jehovah Witness the, the other day. Now, they, they're pretty grounded, uh, but uh, you, you, can, you can lead them and you can work with them and uh, uh, speak them through the Bible, you know, start with the, they were leading with the four horsemen, and so I asked them who wrote the book of Revelation, and they didn't know, and I said, well, that brings us to the book of John. So let's talk about the book of John. <laughs> so, oh, I do. Yeah, I, I, know, I know quite a bit about, about the Jehovah. They will tell you that. But the important thing to glean from this is always open your door. Now, my wife doesn't because she's fearful that somebody's going to break in and rob us or something. 
Uh, but when I'm there, we will open the door and visit with them, invite them in, give them water. You know what? I share the gospel with the guy that wants to sell me bug spray. You know, and, uh, you know, so you'll knock and I'll say, hey, you know, I got a special deal in your neighborhood. I'm sure y'all have heard it. And go, oh, well, I got a special deal for you. <laughs> Where do you go to church? <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, before you know it, they'll be backing away and saying, well, we got to get along down the road. And uh, so, whoa, whoa. No, come back. We were you just out here. <laughs> yes, right. You can't hear me. Uh, we got a few minutes to talk you about something. You want to listen to you, but you don't want to listen to me? <laughs> exactly. What are you talking about? Use it. Open the doors. Be open to them and take that opportunity to tell them about Jesus Christ. Do just exactly like I was saying, you know. Hey, what are you doing? They come to your door. This is the most amazing thing. They're knocking on your door for a reason. And then you can say, well, do you live in this area? Yes or no? Then you can follow the same pattern. Well, do you attend church anywhere? If you don't, well, do you have a relationship with God? And then that gets you right to the, well, let me tell you about God. He originally wanted this to be a perfect place. Where else are you going to feel more comfortable than your own front porch? Absolutely. God's going to bring it right to you. Let me get you some water. comfortable talking about this stuff? Practice with them. Exactly. Because they're going to walk away anyway. They're I not, hope you yep. screw up. Yep. Because if you screw up, at least you tried. Agreed. I love it. I love it. You know, in apologetics, we have a lot of think tanks, right? Where a lot of people just want to sit around and think about all the awesome stuff about God. But apply nothing. It's fearful. Yes, sir. Corey. Well, to your point, Pastor Jeff, whenever we were going around, one of the things that he stressed more than anything, we will not debate. We will not get into a debate with them about this or that. He said, your job is to share the gospel and be done with that, especially when we're at the doors. He says, leave that after they get into the church or get at that time to the community cookout. Once we get them to the community cookout, then you can have them more in-depth. This is where the part of it gets into relational, as you can get to know them a little bit more. Of course, if it's, you know, given any, any particular situation, if it's, you, you just don't want to argue. In his particular approach was, we want to share the gospel with them. And that's all that our, that's all that our job is here today. Other settings, other times, of course, we may need to be prepared to defend the gospel. If it's in an area, let's say, if our children are there, we want to hear them the right thing. But generally, when people are coming up, we want to have a, a heart and a passion with Christ as we share with them the story that we know is the good news and that will save them eternally. But to his point, if you start arguing with them, it's not, it's not going to get very far. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we've heard, I've heard, not we've, I've heard a thousand times. You may be the first time they've heard the gospel. You may be the 20th time you heard the gospel. But eventually, the gospel is going to soak in if it's meant for that person to accept that salvation. And it may not be in five years. It may not be in 10 years. But somewhere down the road, they're going to remember the story that you told them when they need it the most. And they're going to remember the story of hope that you gave them through Christ Jesus who died on the cross. So, 
Yes, sir. What's the name of the method again? The Big Story. The Big Story. That's it. The Big Story by James Chong. And they even have an app you can download. Chong. James Chong. C-H-O-U-N-G. What's that? Well, it might be somebody else uh, doing it. Yeah. Yeah, and it may be uh, somebody doing an adaptation of that or a short version or whatever. And there's even an app you can download if you have an iPhone called The Big Story. You can download the app, and it will show you how to draw the little pictures. But keep in mind, you can't, really can't unless you're sitting down at a table to have it. You need to be able to say this in what I've heard John Mark say in an elevator ride. The whole point is to... Tell the gospel in an elevator ride. However long that might be, get the opportunity, share the gospel, get off the elevator, and pray that God leads them to him. Don't forget to pray. Because in prayer there is much power. We actually canvassed the neighborhoods praying before we went out and did the evangelism when we were up in Baltimore. And it helps. There is power in prayer, not only for entire neighborhoods, but for individuals that you've shared the gospel. And pray today when you leave that God gives you or brings you an opportunity and the awareness to recognize that opportunity to share the gospel. And I promise you, if you start praying now, you'll find it. It'll come to you. It'll cross your path. I wear all kind of things, just to remember. I got my cross that the lady of Baltimore gave me. I got the, the gospel beads. I've got the... Army uh, dog tags. I mean, I got anybody that says, I think this has the uh, uh, salvation prayer on the back of it. I mean, I'm just hoping that God surrounds me with any ability, any opportunity to be able to say, let me tell you a story about, about, about a man. There's a man that, that, that wants to have a relationship with you. His name is Jesus. So it was a good word, and, and I probably took, you okay. wanted me to have three to five minutes, but, uh, you know, I told you. Right. I better get out of here. Is he rejoicing in the gospel? Yes. That's called rejoicing in the gospel. And it made me stop and think, you know, I always tell people, try to create a relationship with someone, but we don't have time all the time. Now, I'll give you an example. And some of the people that I have heard me teach before probably heard this story. But when I was in the corporate world, my wife and I, Kathy, used to ride to Dallas and back on the train. And so one day we got on the train, and when the train, when you're leaving, coming to Dallas, you're lucky to even get a seat, you know, it gets really crowded. So we always try to sit together, but we couldn't. And so she sat down with a lady in front, so I sat with this guy, and I looked at him, and I go, ooh, this guy looks bad. I mean, he was, he, yeah, he was like that. So I go, okay, so I sit down. He starts to, con I speak to him, you know, how you doing, fine. He starts the conversation. He goes to telling me he is a gang member. In fact, he leads a gang in there. And he said, you know, I'm not sure how many people I have killed. I don't know why he's confessing this to me. I'm shaking in my boots by that time. I mean, seriously, guys. I'm thinking, wow. What? Yes. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, why is he telling me this? And, you know, he started telling me how tough he was and all this. And all of a sudden, the spirit came on me and said, all right, you've been talking to me, big boy. Do it. So the Holy Spirit gave me the words to say. And I said, you know, I used to think I was a pretty tough guy, too. I said, and a man entered my life called Jesus. He made me what I am today. He changed my life because he went to the cross just for me. 
He rose the third day to prove that he is Christ, that he is the ever-living God. And you know what, man? He gave me eternal life. I said, would you like to have that? He goes, I don't know. Train ended. I got him walked off. What the guy told me during that conversation, do you want to see my gun? I got it right here. I go, no, I don't want to see your gun. So I'm telling you guys, I don't know if I did it, if the Holy Spirit come on, it's just out of fear itself. You know, I'm just, you know, but I'm saying the Holy Spirit come on me and gave me that. I'm, I mean, honestly, guys, I w- it was one of those opportunities. I didn't have time to build a relationship. This guy needed Christ right then. Do I know if he ever received Christ? I don't know. But it's like some of you said, the seed is out there. He heard the word. It's the best I could do it. And of course, I get off, I get off and go, did you hear me? I did it. I told my wife, I did, did you hear me? <laughs> I mean, really, because I couldn't believe, I, believe that I spoke up that quick and, and the Holy Spirit come on me. What I'm saying, guys, once we hear the gospel, it's hard not to share the gospel. Any odd way we want to do it, as long as Jesus is represented as our living Savior is out there. I'm just like Shane. I have everything on my phone, help tools, anything where I can sit there. I have the circles that, that, that I know that Stan likes to use a lot. I have it all just to help me so when I get to a tough place, I can look at it. You know what's so funny about that? I don't use it because Christ says, I'll be the voice. You just pay attention, son. I'll be the voice. So, guys, I hope that you, you appreciate sharing. Shane, thank you so much. That was great. What a great testimony. It, it, it should really excite us, excite, excite us just to know that we know the gospel. And somebody shared it with us. Let's share it with others. Let's take everybody to heaven. Let's take them because eternal life? Can you believe that? Eternal, eternal life is what we can give a person by sharing the gospel. We have it, and we'd be excited. As Shane's excited, they'll see the excitement. They'll want it. So thank you for very, thanks again, Shane. I appreciate that. Today, we have heard the gospel. So thank you, that brother. Pray with me, guys. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for Shane's testimony, Father. I, I just thank you for every man here today. And, Lord, as spiritual leaders of our household, Father, we share the gospel, Father. It is our duty as men to lead out and share that word with other men and women, Father. So I pray, Lord, that we be that beacon of light that shines the gospel to people, Father. So I pray, just like Shane said, if we have an opportunity to share the gospel, and you'll give it to us, we share the gospel. <clears throat> because we don't have to see the results, we just see the beginning. We plant a seed. The seed, like it says in Matthew, plant the seed, some on on soil that's fertile, some will fall on rocks, Father, but the fertile ones take, Father. So I pray that we share that word with others, Father. Give us an opportunity to do that. Thank you for these guys. I pray that you be with them as they go to work, wherever they go today, Father. I pray they have an opportunity to share the gospel. For it's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a good, good day.